on here. There we go. Greetings. Welcome to Calvary Christian Fellowship. So welcome to Wednesday night study. Let's uh, open in prayer and then we'll we'll jump into studying together. Father, we bless you. We lift this evening before you. Lord, as we pray, I pray that we would learn about prayer. That that this wouldn't be something that's merely academic, but it would be something that changes our life. That we would hear and learn these principles so that we could live them and see you touch lives through what you've given to us in your word. So speak to us and, and lead us and guide us as we close out uh, this final segment of this, of this study together and prepare for what's next. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right. So we are literally... At the very, very end of, the, of our book, we're doing the book, um, The Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gifts. So, um, all right, so let's do just a little tiny bit of review. I'm giving out points here. So um, we've been focused on one particular set of gifts. Um, who knows what the main set of texts are we've been using for this, 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 this set of gifts, where, where's it, where we've been main, mainly camped out for 14 points. Worth 12 to 14 points. Not Romans. First Corinthians. First Corinthians 12 to 14. That's where we've been. There is a set in Romans 12. You're right. There is a set in Romans 12. And that's my next question. And because you're being prophetic, you're operating in the gifts, you get 12 points for that. So... <laughs> So Marco gets to 12 to 14 over here. You can pick which number you want somewhere between 12 and 14. You can keep them all, give away some. It doesn't matter. Um, so 
yeah, we've been focused in First Corinthians and the set of gifts that that are there because these are the more revelatory gifts. But but Romans 12 also has a list. So where's the third text that has kind of a list in it as well? It's another letter of Paul's. Do what? Ephesians 4. That's right. Hogging the points over here. That's it. Uh, so, but that's all right. Mark is generous. If you need points, he'll share them with you. I know he will. Um, <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, um, uh, the, the the text we've been using is this book, the Spiritual Guide, the Beginner's. Okay, there we go. Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gifts by Sam Storms. Um, this is Lesson Eleven, and. Uh, um, all the quotes in here are directly from the book. If I'm quoting from the Bible, I'm using the ESV. Um, and what we're actually going to cover is Appendix A. That's the first time I've ever said we're going to cover an Appendix A. You know, so it's like uh, uh, that I re- that I recall. But we're going to cover Appendix A. Now, why? Because these are guidelines to help praying for uh, uh, to help in praying for the sick. So, what we're literally going to be talking about tonight are practical ways. To pray for the sick, to pray for those who are ill, um, they apply in prayer in general, um, but they apply very specifically if you're wanting to pray for healing for someone. Uh, and so, it, it's interesting how similar um, they're they're based on on some very similar principles from the last book that we that we studied together. Um, um, and so, this is kind of a reinforcing of that. And you'll, so if you were if you were here for the last study, you'll probably recognize some of this and and um, and the overlap on it. But it's it's um. There are three goals that we have in what we're covering tonight. These are our three goals. Our goal number one is this: the, the, when we walk out of here, that we would have an increased level of expectancy when we're praying. At the same time, not being presumptuous. We don't want to get into presumptions where we assume God's going to do something, but we do want to be expectant. That's why we're praying to begin with. You know, what, if, if we're not praying with expectancy, then we're not actually believing what we're praying. And so that's our goal number one. I'll, when we walk out of here, we have an increased level of an expectancy in prayer without being uh, sinfully pre- presumptuous. Number two, the goal is to demystify healing prayer. It's not a it's not a mystical thing. Okay? It's not a mystical thing. It doesn't take someone with a unique gift or a privilege. You don't have to be ordained. You don't have to have the gift of healing. There are people who have gifts of healing. We should be seeking those things, and that's great. But you don't have to have had that gift in the past in order to be someone who can pray for someone. We want to demystify this. It is literally the responsibility of all believers. It is a normal Christian activity. If you call yourself a Christian, we should learn how to pray for others and be walking and living in it. That's what it means. That's part of it. Number three, third goal. That's our third goal. That we actually have biblical guidelines on how to do it. Those guidelines should be honoring God and blessing others. That's what we want to do. Learn how to pray in a way we're honoring God and we're blessing others. Isn't that pretty cool? That kind of fits like the, the two great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we want to do in prayer. We want to honor God and we want to bless others. So that's our goal here, these three simple goals, what, we, what we're looking forward, forward to do tonight. All right. So while we're looking for those two goals, we want to avoid two extremes. 
So there's two extremes we want to stay away from. In order to hit these goals, we need to stay away from two extremes. What are those extremes? The first is this, functional deism. Now, I know a lot of people are going away saying right now, I don't need to worry about that. I don't even know what it is, so I can't, you know. <laughs> no, but you don't need to know what it is to actually operate in it. But So let me explain what it is. It's the habit of many Christians who happily acknowledge God's existence and sincerely love him, but live as if he rarely ever intervenes in our affairs in response to prayer. Oh, yeah, God exists. You know, oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the day that, you know, I get to the, the, the pearly gates and all that. But don't actually live like God is present with you in this world, walking with you, and that you are his agent. That is functional deism. That is functional deism. No, you're not a deist in your doctrine. You are in your practice. So we want to avoid that extreme. But what's the other extreme we want to avoid? Number two, magic and manipulation. God is not a magic genie. We're not looking for the magic lamp to rub or the magic bullet to shoot. The belief that if we would say the right words and follow the right formula, we can guarantee that God will always do what we ask him to do. We're not looking for a guarantee that we that we have done things exactly right. It's not. This isn't manipulation. It's not an incantation. These are two extremes. It's not. We we don't keep praying until we just find the right words. We listen to the Spirit. We pray what the Holy Spirit lays on our heart according to the Word of God, and we trust in Him. We trust in Him. We don't keep going until we can, uh, you know, find that that magic moment. All right. So, we have three goals. What, who can tell me what one of the goals are? Pray expectantly. Seven points. What's another goal? Don't presume. That's part of that goal. So, you have to share your seven points. I'll make it eight and even there. <laughs> Hello. What, what else? Yeah. Pray in a way that is honoring to God and blessing to others. Pray in a way that's honoring to God and blessing to others. Nine points. Seven, eight, and nine. What's the last one? D something or other. Demystifying. It's not magic. Demystifying. So we have three goals. Okay? We, we, uh, we want to pray expectantly. We want to demystify it. And we want to honor God and bless others. There's two extremes we want to avoid. What do we want to avoid? Functional deism. In other words, we want to live our life like God's present, not like, well, um, you know, uh, uh, not in a way that demonstrates we don't actually believe that. That's one extreme. What's the other extreme? Yeah, the magic genie. We're not looking for a magic genie. Okay. Now, to do all this, there are two truths, two truths we need to depend on. Okay. There's two truths from the Word of God about God that we need to stand on and depend on. Number one, God is good. Everybody say, God is good. We need to depend on the fact that God is good. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? 
God is good. He desires to give good gifts. I know some people are stuck on, well, I'm not evil. Compared to God, we're evil. (laughs) The point being, if we know how to give good gifts, the pure, perfect, heavenly Father who loves us perfectly desires. Here's the point. God is looking for ways to respond to the prayers of his children. That's how we pray expectantly. God's looking for ways to respond to the prayer. All right? Um, The second thing is what? God is sovereign. Everybody say God is sovereign. So number one is God is what? God is good. Number two, God is sovereign. These are the two truths we need to stand on. Every time you're praying, every time you're praying about anything, Anytime you're coming before him, you're standing on the fact that you are coming to a good, good father, and you're also coming to one who is sovereign. Now, what does that sovereign mean? So, first, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. So, so, to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities for when i am weak then i am strong um he says this in james is anyone among you suffering let him pray is anyone cheerful let him sing praise is anyone sick let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the lord and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins he will be forgiven Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. And he what? Prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again. And heaven gave rain. And the earth bore its fruit. What are we learning from these texts? These are men, two men, who inquired of God, and God acted in what was his perfect sovereignty out of his goodness. Both men trusted him for what he was going to do. Both men trusted him for what he was going to do. In the one case, Paul wanted God to do something. God said no. Why? Because what the reason why I'm not going to do it is because I am good, and if I were to do that, I would be allowing you to walk into places that would be destructive. And the other man, he said, yes, I'm going to do exactly what you're asking for. Why? So that I can bring repentance in Israel. The point being is we depend on two truths from the word of God. Number one, God is good. Number two, God is. All right. If you said this, give yourselves. Let me see. We're up to uh, 15 points each. All right. In his sovereignty, God will do what is in accordance with his morally good pleasure in his sovereignty catch this in his sovereignty god will do what is in accordance with his morally good pleasure 
and we can trust that. So, what we're about to look at, um, oh, there we go. What we're about to look at uh, is a model of prayer. This model of prayer is adopted from John Wimber, um, and he's a, this is a, a model that Dr. Storms has put together. And it very much follows the, this, this pattern that, that was adopted from John Wimber. For those that don't know, John Wimber served as the leader of the Association of the Vineyard Churches for many years, up until he uh, went, to be home with, uh, went home to be with the Lord in 1997. So um, this is a well-heeled model. It is a model, not a formula. But as we, it's, it's based on the principles of the Word of God. When we apply the principles of the Word of God, then, then we see um, uh, uh, the fruit of the Spirit as the result. All right. So it's a four-step process. So um, um, this, is, this model is called the practice of healing prayer. It's what it's called. The practice of healing prayer, and it's a four-step process. So we just have to ma- remember four steps. Uh, number one, you want to begin with the interview. Number two, you want to move to the diagnosis. Number three, you want to pray. And number four, you want some instructions after you pray. So number one, you want to what? You want to interview. Number two, you want to what? Diagnose. Number three, you want to what? Pray. After you pray, you want to what? Give instructions. Give instructions. Can you all remember that? You want to interview. You want to talk to somebody. You want to figure out what's going on. You do all that before you pray. That makes sense. Then you pray, and then after you pray, you give some instructions. Okay? So it makes sense. It flows. Now let's dive down into the weeds, right? Into the weeds and kind of figure out what these steps are, what's going on. So the first step is you want to begin with an interview. What's happening here? You're going to ask questions. Okay? Um, uh, when someone comes to you and says they need prayer, you want to ask some questions. Hey, where, where does it hurt? How can I help you? Is the problem you're experiencing physical? Is it emotional? Is it perhaps spiritual oppression? Is it an attack from the enemy? What's going on here? And if you want to pray, you want to pray according to the reality of the circumstances in the situation. By asking questions, uh, you, begin to allow, uh, you begin to discern what the issue is. Until you have discerned that, what exactly is it you're praying for? Um, I, this just happened to me this week. I had uh, somebody call me up and said, hey, I've got a friend that needs prayer. Will you pray with me? And so, um, so yeah, so we called this other person up and got on the phone. And I mean, it wasn't a, a, a long period of time, but it was like, hey, what's up? I, I heard you're having a rough time. A person then began to explain exactly what it was they were going through and what was happening. I didn't just assume, hey, I heard you need prayer. Let's pray. Encourage the person to be as specific and as detailed as possible. Be as specific and as detailed as possible. Look, that doesn't mean if they don't feel comfortable sharing things with you, don't, don't try to force them into sharing something that's, that they're uncomfortable with. But as they are comfortable, get as many details as you can. And don't rush past this step. The scripture says, uh, do not be hasty in the laying on of hands. Scripture actually says that. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands. In other words, you want to be listening and discerning to, uh, to the Spirit as you go through this. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you during this step. You should be not only listening to the person, you should be listening to the Spirit as you're listening to the person. Something's going to trigger. Something's going to rest. Something's going to drop down. Something's going to hit you. Uh, that's what you're looking for. 
and and uh, as as you're hearing what the person's saying, and cue into that. Allow adequate time to listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't hurry through this step. Now, on the flip side, don't just because you may sense something doesn't mean you need to automatically share what it is you're sensing. Be sensitive about what you sense as well. It may just be that it's guidance for you in your in your prayer. So you don't just assume. Uh, I've seen. I've actually seen that backfire. I've seen uh, you know individuals um, very spiritually sensitive. Uh, you know, um, walk up to someone and and they they um, uh, I don't know if they fist bump, they shook hands or whatever, and that person need a prayer. The person that 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 was on the receiving end literally had an incredible spiritual download but god wasn't giving them the spiritual download to tell them god was giving it to them so that when they prayed he knew how to pray unfortunately he told them and it blew up he was dead on but that person wasn't ready to hear it all right that's not to make anybody nervous it's just to say these are things process to walk through it so what was the first step begin with an interview begin with the interview don't rush through it listen to the person listen to the spirit get details on it okay so the next thing you want to do is second step you want to move into the diagnosis and when we we're not talking about a clinical diagnosis we're not doctors we're not trying to diagnose an illness or anything like that that's not what we're talking about what we're trying to do is get the focus of our prayer we're trying to listen to the Holy Spirit to get the focus of what it is God's leading us to pray for for that individual. I don't know how many times somebody will tell me one thing, and as I'm praying, God will lead me to pray in an area that may be connected to it, but not necessarily specifically that thing. Because that might be the root that needs to be touched. Um, so as what we're trying to do at this point, as best possible, is determine... What is the cause? What is the source that which we will be focusing prayer on? And and one of the ways you'll know, one of, not one of the ways you'll know, one of the possible ways you might be able to discern this is as the Word of God begins to come to you and you have scriptures or the Word of God in which you're leading to pray. That's one of the things that will happen to me. If somebody's sharing things, I'm like searching and listening and all of a sudden scripture will come. Ooh, here's a scripture I can pray. Here's a scripture I can I can bring out the Word of God. So um, what are some of these possible causes? And, and, and here's the thing. As I go through these, it doesn't have to be any one of them. It could, be, it could be all of them. It could be a combination of things. We're just laying some things out here so that we have a, a – this, this is kind of a, it's a learning lab. This is a learning lab on how to pray for healing things. So we're going to just kind of talk about things that you could be listening for, sources that could be issues that you're going to be praying about. Number one, simply living, we, we simply live in a fallen world. And so the, the, this person is, is they're sick because they got a virus or they were in an accident or something happened. It, you know, not everything has to have some secret hidden thing behind it. Are they? So you don't have to, you know, just you're listening in case God speaks to you. You're not looking to find something. Okay? Big difference. Big difference. You're not looking to find something. You're simply listening to see if God would reveal. There are also there are times when God will purposely not let you see because the person is not ready to see. So just he'll just want you to be praying in faith. But it's possible that somebody's sick because oh they're sick. You know most of the time somebody's going to be sick because they're sick. 
But a lot of times, there's something behind it. All right. Number two, it could be a sin. So be careful. Don't compound their problem with accusations that might be unwarranted guilt on their hearts. All right? We just read that if, if a person is sick, they go to the elders. If they have sin on their heart, they should confess it. There could be a sin. So it's appropriate to say, you know, as we're praying, is the Lord laying anything on your heart you might want to confess or that you might need to confess to him? I think it's appropriate to say that. It's not appropriate to say, you need to repent of this, you know. That's not that's not appropriate. Now, uh, now they're, they're, I'll say that. let me just leave it at that. There could be sin involved. There could be sin involved. Um, uh, it, it is not the assumption, however. James, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, notice it doesn't say be, when he has. It doesn't make the assumption that sickness is sin. It makes the, it makes the connection it could be. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another. What that really tells me, more than anything else, is that we need to live a life of constantly coming before God, not in guilt, not in shame, not in fear, but just coming to his grace, saying, Lord, what is it you want to shine a light on? What is it you want to shine a light on? Let me just... Be free before you to confess whatever it is you, that I need to confess out of my life. Not giving a foothold to the enemy in my life. The prayer of a righteous person is great power as it is working. All right. So don't assume sin to be the issue, but it could be. Um, and I'm not going to. Yeah, so here's a, here's a, a, a passage where uh, this, this is a big assumption a lot of people make that, that, that it is sin. And as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples said to him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? The assumption was, he's born blind, somebody sinned, this is bad, you know. This assumption, the fact that sin is in the world, sickness is in the world, okay? Yes, all sickness comes back to sin at some point, but not specifically. There's not a one-to-one relationship. If there was a one-to-one relationship, we'd all been dead a long time ago. All right. Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So the next thing it could be, there could be something emotional going on. Anxiety, unforgiveness, stress, etc. There could be an emotional root that has has led to the the thing that you're praying for. That's possible. Um, uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Caroline Leaf has pointed out that researchers have discovered that somewhere between 75 and 97% of illnesses have a root that's based on thinking. And yes, fear-based thinking of some sort, some type of an emotional connection. So it's, it's very much the opportunity for someone to express their emotions and, 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 uh, um, in, in that moment. Number three, family history. It could be something genetic. It could be something from an upbringing. It could be uh, uh, something um, uh, that they're carrying from, from family relationships. Number four, it could be demonic. Take a look here in Luke. Jesus was teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman 
who had had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. This woman was bent over and couldn't straighten herself because the root of what she was dealing with was demonic. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. Notice he didn't cast the demon out. He just said, you're freed. He laid hands, and you're freed. The reason I'm pointing that out is there's not a formula. I've I've had a couple of conversations recently with my son. This has happened to him twice now in in the last month. Similar things. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which, to, in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, but not on the Sabbath day. <laughs> then the Lord answered him, You hypocrite! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. Am I getting ahead? There we go. Sorry. So um, the point being is that there could be something, could be an unclean spirit that's involved. Number three, we may never know. You don't have to know, but the whole point is if there is something you want to know. Okay, and if you don't take the time to listen, you won't know. And if you and if you could have known, you could have been a better help. Remember, what's one of our goals? We want to honor God and bless others. One of our goals, we want to honor God and bless others. Our first goal, we want to walk out of here higher expectancy in being able to pray for others without being presumptuous. Second goal, we want to demystify prayer. This is not a mystery. Third goal, we want to honor God and bless others. That's our goals. We want to avoid what? Deism on the one side where we say we believe, but we don't actually live it. And manipulation on the other side where we're looking for a formula. We want to avoid those extremes. And we do that by depending on two things. What are we depending on? God is good and God is sovereign we trust in his goodness we trust in his sovereignty and so we follow these steps as we do that step number one interview ask questions get as detailed as possible step number two diagnose try to figure out what's behind it listen to the holy spirit okay if you if you if you've done those and you don't have anything that's fine you don't have to be careful about drawing direct cause and effect conclusions Don't try to be smarter than the Holy Spirit. Don't try to be smarter than the Holy Spirit. Just be listening to and for the Holy Spirit. All right. So what's the third step? Everybody, prayer. Third step, prayer. Now we pray. No, now we drink water. So there's... Two forms of healing prayer, okay? When we're praying for someone, that prayer is going to fall into two general forms. The first form is going to be a prayer that is toward God. The second is going to be a prayer that is from God. 
Remember, remember this. When you're praying for someone, okay, the, the objective isn't to just to, to focus on the person and, and the issue and just, oh, God, heal this thing. The first thing you're doing is you're going to God. He's the good one who's going to be doing it. He's the sovereign one who's going to be answering. So the first part of the prayer is toward God. You're honoring him. Father, you knew this before we even started. Father, your words declared this. We're praying toward God. As you're doing that, it's very possible God is now going to give you something from him to be praying. There's two forms of prayer here. We're praying toward God. And second, we're praying from God. So the first form of prayer is prayer what? Toward God. The second form is what? From God. Is there anything complicated in what we're talking about here? Is there anything mystical in what we're talking about here? Is there anything that not any one of us couldn't do here? There's not a lot of excitement here. (laughs) All right. So prayer towards God. What is this? We're petitioning God for the Holy Spirit's presence. We're coming to the Lord and we're seeking Him. Lord, we want your presence in here. It's you who heal. And now this is a time to be specific and focus on those things we were just listening to. Father, this, this, this person is, is dealing with this issue here and we're bringing this to you. We're laying this. We're being very specific. Be specific to what's with God, but we're what? We're going toward God. We're identifying the physical problem or the spiritual wound. We're interceding for God to touch it directly. We have stepped in the gap on behalf of that individual and begin to call on God for him to touch that thing directly. We are focused on him. Lord, you're the healer. It's not about my prayer. It's not about my faith or their faith. The fact that we're doing it already demonstrates the faith. We're not conjuring up faith in order for God to move in this moment. The fact that we're doing it already demonstrates the faith. That's the point. We have stepped past functional deism to the fact that we're calling on a a God who is first what? Good. And second what? Sovereign. Hey, can I take you, brother, before a good sovereign God with what it is you're dealing with? (laughs) Yeah. You see? And so, we're, Lord, you're a good, sovereign God, and, and you, you uh, give good gifts to your children. You look for ways to answer prayer. And this person has this specific need. And as we've been listening, we've been discerning this thing. We bring this before you to touch this. This is a prayer toward God. Now, prayer from God, second part. In this case, you don't ask God to bring healing, but it, based on your authority in Christ, you command the disease to leave. At this point is when you, you have already interceded. You have already brought it before God. Now you're speaking to the thing that you're wanting uh, um, um, removed, gone. Yes. Yes. You might such, say such things as be healed, receive your healing. Before you too quickly dismiss this approach as arrogant or without biblical warrant, remember Jesus almost always healed by a word of a command. Almost always. We're going to look at several different passages here and see different ways that Jesus heals. As far as we can tell, the only instance where he prayed to the Father for a healing 
is when Lazarus was raised from the dead. When you only instance where he's actually praying for it when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Every other instance he is acting in the place of an authority that he's been given. Now, do somebody say something? Uh yeah. Well, I think he did it so that only Lazarus came out. <laughs> He'd have been empty in the <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I was just making a joke. Yeah. That's good. And now here's some things we want to avoid. Don't think you have to say the just the right words. It's not about you well, finding the exact right formula. Don't think you have to have perfect grammar. Don't think you have to be theologically sophisticated. You don't have to pray in the King James. <laughs> there isn't a certain style. Okay? It doesn't have to be long. Thank you. What is God's concern here? God's concern is this. He's the, the heart, the attitude of your heart. You're seeking him. You're trusting him. You're depending on him. You're not coming to him with uh, um, um, trying to make this happen because you emotionally feel it. You're coming to him because he's good and he's sovereign and you're lifting. Look, you can, you can be deeply feeling it, right? I mean, we, we, we very much we care for one another. We love one another. Jesus wept before Lazarus was risen from the dead. But he didn't go because he had an emotional need to see God do it. Big difference. We're not praying out of emotional need. We're praying out of seeking and trusting the goodness and the sovereignty of God. Second thing is, is God wants to see our compassion for others. The fact that we're doing it is demonstrating compassion. Does this all make sense to everybody? We're all good so far? All right. So, some guidelines. These are some things we want to keep in mind as we're going through prayer. And these are some guidelines just to kind of throw out there. If possible, ask the person to close their eyes, and, to, and, and but you keep your eyes open. This is big, okay? I have noticed, when I learned this a long, long, long time ago, somebody taught me to do this. It's like, look, when you're in, when you're in a room and you're praying well, you want the other person to close their eyes because that helps them to focus. But you keep your eyes open because you want to look to see what God's doing. You want to look to see what's happening in the spirit. Sometimes things will happen and you need to see, you need to be able to respond appropriately. Don't rush. Another thing. Don't rush. Come on. There we go. Spend time with the person. Be patient, especially if you're praying for the sick. Spend time. Some of the, some of the most powerful um, uh, um, healings that I'm aware of that, um, is, is places where you, you can go to a healing room and you're, the person going in is going to plan on going in there for a minimum of 20 minutes. Sometimes they're in there for a couple of hours. Just lifting up. But we were on a, like, we want to just, you know, pray and be done and it's over with and then walk away. If you sense or see God doing something, bless what you see, sense or see God doing. All right. If, if you see a person start to respond or react, thank you, Father. We thank you for that. That the Holy Spirit is moving and touching this person right now. We bless that. Bless it. 
Be aware of possible but not necessarily physical manifestations. There may, they, a person may start to feel tingling or, sp- or spasms or tears or warmth or shaking or deep breathing, whatever. And I've actually asked that many times when I'm talking to people, praying with people. Tell me what you see, hear, sense, or feel. Tell me what you see, hear, sense, or feel. And don't, don't, don't try to figure it out. Just whatever you see, hear, sense, or feel, just tell me what's going on. And begin to just to, to, uh, bless. Thank you, Father. Thank you for what's going on. Many, many times I've been in prayers with someone, and they just start, to, they just start weeping. And you just start thanking God. Thank you, Lord. Ask questions along the way, such as, how do you feel? Do you sense God is doing something? Are you feeling faith or doubt or fear? What they're feeling is a huge key. Often what they're feeling shows what's in the way of what God wants to do. Often what they're feeling. Well, I'm feeling a lot of fear. Okay, I want you to look at that fear for a moment. Are you willing to hear what God might tell you about that fear? Yeah, I'm willing. Are you sure? Yeah. Lord, what is it you want to speak to that fear? What's on the other side of it? What is it you have instead of that? What truth would you want to give instead of that lie? Depending on the answer, adjust your prayers appropriately. Don't be frustrated if they aren't feeling anything. I've been there many, many times. I don't feel anything. That's okay. A person doesn't have to feel something for God to do it. The whole point is, is that that um, if they are, you don't want to ignore it. Okay? You don't ignore it if they are, but they don't have to in order for God to be doing something. So, again, it's not a formula. This is a model. And what does it take? It takes taking your hands out of your pockets and laying hands on somebody. Stepping out, saying what? I want to honor God and I want to bless someone. Be sensitive about the laying on of hands. If you have doubts about whether or not this is biblical, consider the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the early church. Now, I put a ton of scriptures in here. Uh, we'll, we'll see how far we'll get. We'll get through a few of them. And the reason why I put so many in them is not just to demonstrate the laying on hands, but also to demonstrate all the myriad of ways people get healed. There is no formula to the way people get healed in the Bible. Check this out. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. He just touched, he touched her hand. Okay? Touched her hand. This is Matthew 9. And Jesus passed on from there. Two blind men followed him, crying out aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. And when he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said, Yes, Lord. And then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, be it done to you. So here's these blind men. What's he do? Touches their eyes. And their eyes were open, and Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about this. I love that word there. See that no one going to catch that. <laughs> See that no one. Okay, anyway. I'll keep going. All right, Matthew 19. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on, on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked people. And Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid hands on them, and they went away. They didn't even say they just just blessing them. Just laid hands on them and blessed them. Mark 1. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling to him, says, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity. What is God looking for? The attitude of our heart? 
compassion for others. Move with compassion. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. What he just did is huge. By touching him, he makes himself unclean. He's willing to put himself into what is socially unacceptable unacceptable, and biblically makes himself unclean in order that in that compassion he can bring healing to that person. This is huge what's going on here. We don't understand the significance because we don't live in that culture. If you read this at the time or you stood there and watched Jesus, that's a leper. You did what? You reached out and touched him? And what's fascinating, this is literally a picture of the cross. God made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. God took him who was a leper and he who was pure and he who was pure touched he who was impure that he would have the purity of the one who was impure. And we can do the same thing. Not by our power, but by being a conduit for him to do it through us. We have to take our hands out of our pockets, though. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Mark 6, and Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and he healed them. Didn't follow? Oh, I went one too far. And he marveled about their unbelief and he went about among the villages teaching. I've heard people say this to me. It's like, well, you know, if you really believed in this healing thing and you really thought that, that uh, you know, that, that God could heal through you, why don't you just get out of the hospital and send everybody home? If people are not interested, Jesus marveled. Wow, really? Mark 6. And whenever he came in villages, cities, or countrysides, they laid sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. There's a lot of places in the scripture that it touched. This touched the fringe of his garment. I think this is interesting. Notice this is different than the others. My point is there's not a formula here. They just, if I just touch Jesus, what does that mean? What does that mean? If you just let Jesus touch somebody through you somehow. If you just let Jesus touch somebody through you somehow. And then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee into the region of Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had, speech, had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. So they've already got the formula down. We know the formula, Jesus. Come lay your hand on him. Jesus, come lay your hand on him. You got the formula. We know how you do it, Jesus. Now, guess where he is? What the scripture is telling us by all these cities, he's telling us he's out among the Gentiles. 
Tyre and Sidon, and he went over to um, uh, Decapolis, Decapolis to read the ten cities. This is outside of Israel. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers in his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. Yeah. <laughs> and looked up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, and his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. They had a formula how Jesus was going to do it. Lay hands on him, and Jesus did something completely different. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. <laughs> All right. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid hands on him, he said, Do you see anything? And he looked up and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. And Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. I love this passage. Do you notice it didn't happen all at once, even for Jesus? And then we wonder, how come you got to sit there and pray for somebody, you know, for three, four hours, sometimes several weeks in a row? I don't understand. I don't understand either. I don't have to understand. All I have to do is obey. I don't know why it happened that way. I know it did, and I know it does. Oh, did I, okay, sorry. Oh, wait. All right, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. All right. They will pick up serpents. This is Mark 16. They will pick up serpents and uh, with their hands, and if they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And if they will lay hands on the sick, they will recover. All right, so ask me a story later. I'll have time to tell it tonight. Maybe I'll tell it later. But um, So I actually had poison one time, and I'm still standing here. Um, not intentional, not on purpose. It was the mercy of God, but Diane will, <laughs> Diane will vouch that this story was correct. All right. And I'm not suggesting it. This is not presumptuous. You don't go out and do this. This was totally accidental. Luke 4, yes. It was, it was totally accidental. Luke 4. Now, when the sun was setting, all those who had, any, who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid hands on every one of them and healed them. So there were times when everybody got healed. There were times when, nobody, when hardly anybody got healed. Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and he healed him. It was another one. Here's another one, Acts 3. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were strong. He didn't touch his feet or ankles. Notice, the, the feet or ankles were the problem were. Touched him by the hand and rose him up. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done by, among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. And they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid hands on them. Uh, so Ananias departed, entered the house, laying his hands on him. He said, "Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the am I on the right one? Yeah, who appeared to you by which he came, by, on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled filled with the Holy Spirit." Yeah, and he gave her his hand, and he raised her up. Then calling the saints, then then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. Acts 13. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, a lifelong friend of Herod, Tetrarch, and Saul. 
while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them and sent them off. Notice this, uh, in this one, this was accompanied with fasting and prayer as well. Again, the whole point as we're looking through all of these is there isn't one way, but there are principles. The laying on of hands is clearly a principle that's a part of it. All right, I'm going to, there's, there's lots more in here. I'm going to, yeah, go forward here. Um, let me see, where am I? Yeah, you can go now. Yes, and I would add something to that. We want to be attentive to the Word of God and the voice of the Holy Spirit. And what we're seeing in the Word of God is that this principle of laying on of hands is accompanied over and over and over again. It's just not a formula. You shouldn't expect just because I laid hands this will happen. You shouldn't always expect that because it's their ankle, I need to put my hand on their ankle. But I should say when I'm praying for someone, hey, is it okay? I'm actually getting here in a minute. Um uh, is it okay if I lay hands on you? Would you mind? Would that be okay? It's a biblical principle. And understanding that something does happen when we do that. And God may lay on your, uh, lay on your mind a particular um, means by which of doing that. Okay? Um, but never in a way that's inappropriate. We'll, we'll touch on that in a minute. Um, never in a way that's uncomfortable. So... Yeah, so yes, absolutely correct. We never take the credit for it, but we do take the initiative. And we don't have to wait for a Holy Spirit feeling in order to take initiative. If we see an issue in front of us, God has brought it to us. We need to be asking God, not should I do something, but Lord, what is it you want me to do? It's a completely different way. If it's in front of you, you know... um, Uh, I I heard somebody say this many, many, many years ago, and I adopted it into my own family life. I told my kids when they were growing up, if you're walking through a room and you see something that needs to be done, i.e. something on the ground that needs to be picked up or something that needs to be put away, the fact that you're a member of this family and you saw it means it's now your responsibility. Don't walk past it and expect someone else to do it. You saw it. I would submit to you that that is very much lacking in the body of christ we are waiting for someone else to do it and that what god is desiring see this is why we again why we have the book of corinthians because the corinthians were not waiting paul and and the corinthians were they got anointed they were doing man they were doing they were doing then paul's like oh oh, oh, i'm glad you're doing that's awesome let me help you on how to do a little better and he never says stop doing he says, keep doing, keep doing, keep doing, but just do it this way. Okay? And were they being led of the Spirit? Yes, they were being led of the Spirit. 
I would submit to you, you won't even have the thought to do these things if the Holy Spirit doesn't put on your mind. We don't come to God first. He comes to us. And in a moment you begin thinking about God, at any point in time, at any point, at any moment of the day, that is already the Holy Spirit speaking into and through you. You don't have to wonder and question that because we don't go to him first. He comes to us first. We're the temple. He's dwelling in us. And so when an opportunity comes in front of you, you know, do we need to be discerning? Yes. But we, we should be asking, okay, Lord, well, how do I handle this opportunity you've given me? And discerning that. All right. Um, so fourth step, post-prayer instructions. What do we do after, afterwards? Uh, was there... Yeah, what do we do afterwards? So, again, these are some helpful suggestions. As we said earlier, healing is often a process. If nothing's happened, encourage them to persevere in prayer. Never stop praying unless shown otherwise by divine revelation or somebody passes away. Um, and so what's an example of divine revelation? God, Paul asked three times, Lord, get rid of this. Lord, get rid of this. And finally God said, stop praying. I'm not doing that. There, I have another purpose for this. And so, um, and so rest in that other purpose. But when that, here's the thing about that divine revelation. When that divine revelation came along, what did it do in Paul? I will boast about it. He didn't walk around depressed because, oh, God didn't answer my prayer. Oh, God's begging me. Oh, I have a thorn. He's like, no, it's showing the power of Christ. God is demonstrating his power through this. I didn't understand that before when I was asked to take it away. And now I have a divine revelation to realize God's demonstrating his power through this. You see, the divine revelation isn't to make us feel depressed and down and beat up. Oh, God didn't want to hear my prayer. A divine revelation comes, stop praying for it because I'm giving you something else. Everybody follow that? Never suggest the problem is the person's lack of faith. Never suggest the problem is the person's lack of faith. It could be. It's not for us to determine that. Remember say, oh, you know, if you just had enough faith, you wouldn't be dealing with this. I'm, you know, I'm sorry, you know. We prayed. We've got faith and nothing happens. So it's got to be you. <laughs> yeah. Do what? There you go. There you go. How much faith did the dead boy have when Jesus raised him? <laughs> Look, clearly... Faith is part of the process. But, but, and we talked about this when we studied the last book. But it could be anybody's faith. It may not even be the two people engaged. It could be somebody else who's praying. God, move in their lives. And somebody else starts praying for them. I don't have a whole lot of faith for this. I don't know why I'm doing this. And this person gets healed. It's because they got a mother over here who's been praying the whole time. You, know, you never know what's going on. It's always going to be faith somewhere. Okay, but we don't want to walk around. I've seen, I don't don't want to tell you the abuses I've seen. All right. Yeah, yeah. Let the person talk about how he or she feels. This is important. If the person is the person encouraged or they discouraged, they feel with doubt, they feel with fear. Don't step on their emotions. Oh, well, you shouldn't feel that way. Don't do that. Don't step on their emotions. Yeah, this is really hard to go through. This really stinks. It can be depressing. It can be. That's why we're praying. That's why we're doing this. You know, he's the God of all mercy. He's the father of comfort. He wants to comfort us in all of our afflictions. That's why I'm praying for you. I've been comforted in my afflictions. Remember when I was down. 
You know, you don't, don't step on their emotion. Give them the opportunity. Sometimes just in giving that opportunity, that begins to lighten it. Does the person feel the love of God or a sense of condemnation and failure? Their answer may open up a new avenue of prayer. You see, by doing this after instructions and all of a sudden these emotions come out, you may discover something that was a root that needed to get prayed for that you didn't pray for. Well, you know, I don't really think, you know, God would heal me anyway. He doesn't love me. What do you mean he doesn't love me? Well, you know, if you knew what I did, you wouldn't love me either. Oh, wow. Ouch. Ouch. Let's pray about that. See? That could really be blocking because the person doesn't doesn't want what God wants to give them. Direct the person to follow through on any necessary confession of sin or reconciliation with someone else. Look, again, this isn't telling them, well, you know, there's clearly you didn't get healed here, you know, so I don't know what deep, dark secret you got in your life, but if you just get it out. No. It's like, look, if, if, you, if, if while you're doing this, something came to your mind that you know you've got to make right, oh, you know, make sure you get that right. Make sure you get that right. And I'll be here to pray with you. I'll be here to support you. I'll love you through it. Encourage the person to come again and seek prayer from you or others as often as they wish. Healing's a process. Who knows what it is God needs or desires to touch in that person's life? I promise you there could be all kinds of things. Regardless of what happens, you have not failed, period. Why? It wasn't up to you to begin with. Your, your, the degree of healing and relief is not a measure of success. It's not up to you. How much somebody gets healed or doesn't get healed is not a measure of what if you did what was right or wrong. What is right or wrong is your obedience. That's what's right or wrong. When you obey, you did what was right. Oh, you, you may not have done it perfectly. That's okay. That's why we do it. God will, the more you do this, the more you learn. I can't tell you how many times, because I was super interested in, in learning how to um, discover answers that would be helpful to people. And how many times God would put me in a circumstance where I did not have the answer. Oh, walk away. It's like, that wasn't in the book I read last week. But guess what? Guess what book I read this week? God's not concerned that I didn't have the answer. He's a little bit bigger than that. Just a little bit. What he was concerned was, hey, here's somebody who's seeking and hungering and wanting to find answers, me. So I'll put him in places where he discovers things he doesn't know so he'll know what to go learn. (gasps) Think God might do that? That would be called a loving father. Why would we do that? Why would he do that? Think that's what fathers do? Fathers put their children in circumstances where they have to be stretched? Think fathers have ever done that? Huh. Avoid using the prayer time as an occasion for counseling. This is not prayer counseling. <laughs> 
Lord, if so-and-so would only go and talk to their spouse about this, and if they would only talk in this tone of voice, and if they would only say this to their spouse, and if they would, you know, this is not a time for prayer counseling. (laughs) All right, so let's review. We had three goals when we started out tonight. Who can tell me what one of those three goals were? You know what? There was something. I want to come back to this. This is really important. I didn't put it in my slides, and I should have. Um, And I I think what happened was it was because it's in my notes. It just didn't make it to the slide. I think I just didn't highlight it and make it a slide. I need to go backwards here. Okay, so we're back to the laying on the hands part. Did you catch that? See how I went there? All right. In that laying on the hands part, uh, I want to give just a little bit more instruction on that. Here's the instruction. Um, Number one. Always ask permission. Don't assume. All right? Always ask permission. Number two, um, be super, super cognitive of uh, gender, um, you know, men and women of gender, of what's going on here. Okay? The ideal thing is for women to lay hands on women, men to lay hands on men. Um, uh, I'm not saying that that it can never be cross-gender, but when it is, it should always be, you know, like head, shoulders, this kind of thing, all right? Um, there is an occasion where sometimes it may be on the back, like if, if there's an issue on the back or something like that, that's appropriate. But the point is, is be used proprietary. Be very cautious about having integrity, about honoring the other person, about not stirring up the very appearance of evil. You want to avoid the very appearance of evil. Um, so, uh, and the other thing is, you don't always have to lay hands on someone. Um, there are times when, uh, I'll, I'll give you a, a, a for instance. Okay, this is a perfect for instance. I had somebody walk in uh, um, my place of business, and we're standing in the lobby in my place of business, and this person started sharing with me about all kinds of things that were going on in their body. Um and uh, and and I, you know, I don't even know why she was telling me this, but why I know why she was telling me these things. But it wouldn't have been like the normal thing, you know. A salesman doesn't typically walk up to you and just start telling you all the the things that are going on. And so this person started telling me all these things that are going on, and and I just I just looked at her and I said, "Listen, I'm a praying man. I believe that God would want to touch these things." I said, "Would it be okay if I prayed for you? Would you mind?" She was she just like. Really? You would do that? I was like, yeah, we can we can pray right here, right now, if you would do that. She goes, oh, I would really, really that would mean a lot. And so I just did this. Put my fist out. I said, can we just fist bump? And she just fist bumped me. And I just prayed like that. Pray fist bump. Okay? Very, you know, and then the Holy Spirit just flooded over her. She just started weeping. So... You can, there are ways you can do things. You don't have to, you know, she had a pain here and a pain there. You don't have to do all that. You just trust God that God will help you in the moment. Everybody got that? All right. I just wanted to throw that in there because I didn't cover it. I remembered it from my notes, but I didn't, for whatever reason, didn't cut a slide on that. Fast forward. All right. Now, review. We had three goals. What was, go- what was one of those goals? Leave here with a higher level of expectation when we pray. Right? So we're at 17 points right there. 17 points. Leave here with a higher level of expectancy when you pray. 
uh, without presumption. Number two, or three, either one. Yeah, pray in a way that is both honoring God and blessing others. Honoring God and blessing others. So, okay, so that's 18 points, nine here, nine here. So, uh, pray in a way that is goal number two. Pray in a way that you honor God and bless others. All right, what was our third goal? Demystify. So, 17, 18, 19 points. 19 points. Demystify, right? Was it, was there anything mystical or, or about what we talked about? Was there anything mystical about it? It was very practical, very based on the Word of God, very anything all of us can do. So demystify. We had three goals. All right. Now, we have to depend on two things. Well, actually, before we do that, we need to avoid two things when we're praying. What are the two things we need to avoid? Two extremes that we need to avoid. Functional deism. That's right. If you can walk away with a $2 word here tonight. Functional deism. What's functional deism? Functional deism is say, I believe all this and I never do it. That's functional deism. What does that mean? It means I got it in here, but I don't have it in here. I say God wants to move and touch other people, but I never actually become a conduit for him to move and touch other people. That's functional deism. That's one extreme. What's the other extreme? So that was 1920 points. That was 20 points. What's the other extreme? The magic genie. God's the magic genie. I remember a, uh, I remember a moment I was um, years when, when the Internet was first coming out and used to have these rooms you could go on and you could talk to different people about all different kinds of subjects. And there was this one subject that was all talking about God things. And you got people that from all kinds of walks of life. I remember people would come on there and say, well, you know, I prayed about this one thing and God never answered my prayer. And so I, God, there is no God. I was like, why are you looking for a magic genie? What are you, why are you looking for a magic bullet? God's not a magic genie. Does, did he hear? Yeah, there's, I can give you tons of answers to prayer. But, uh, but if you're going to make it dependent on God doing something for you in order for you, what have you done for him? Anyway, I don't want to keep going down the road. We want to avoid the extreme of trying to manipulate God into doing something or looking for a magic genie. Those are the two, things, two extremes we want to avoid. So we have three goals. Two extremes we want to avoid. And so in order to do all that, we depend on two things. Every time we're praying, we're depending on two things. What are those two things we're depending on? First, God is good. 20, 20, we have to 22 points. 22 points. God is good. We're, depend, we're going to a good, good father. Think of the song. He's a good, good father. Y'all know that song? You don't want me to sing it. So, all right. Number one, depending on God is good. What's the second one? God is sovereign. God is something. He is going to do according to his good moral pleasure. He sees what we can't see, and we can trust his goodness. Okay? So these are the two things we depend on when we pray. All right. So then we have a four-step model for prayer when we're praying for others. What's the first step? Interview. 23 points. What's the next step? Do what? Diagnostic. That's right. Diagnose the issue. 24 points. Third step. Prayer. 25 points. And finally, yes, the post-prayer, the post-prayer instructions. 26 points. All right. Very good. Um, uh, let's close out in prayer. And then I want to actually, uh, actually want to spend some time praying.
I'm going to spend some time praying. So, um, so we'll close out for those that are watching, listening in, and then we'll have some time to, to, um, uh, to pray. Father, we bless you. We seek to honor you. We thank you. You are a good, good father. You have given us your word. You have given us a great cloud of witnesses who have gone in front of us, who have lived and demonstrated us this to us. You have given us your spirit that, that um, bears witness in our soul to the truth of these things. Father, I pray now you would stir us up with courage to live and walk this out to touch others, that we would have your heart, your heart of compassion, that we would trust you, that we would seek you, that we would honor you to see you move in the lives of others. I pray that, that, that these would not be, this would not be just a lesson we put in our heads, but something that we embrace in our heart to where we are touching the lives of others in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right, let me know when we're turned off, Sally, so we can uh, talk in here.